Hello, you're listening, you are listening to, to SRM Student Radio Master on 107.5 FM. Do My name is Sham, your tech for today. And uh, what you were listening to is DJ Acid from Auto from Maastricht. Uh, many thanks to Mozart Musica for helping us share, uh, share share this music. And today's episode, I think, um, is better introduced by the uh, by our hosts. Um, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Elisa, and I come from ECA Maastricht. And today I'm joined by Matilda, also an ECA member. Um, and I'm going to introduce the ECA to you and the blue and yellow blog, and then Matilda will introduce the topic to you all. So European Careers Association is a non-profit organization uniting students aspiring for a career within the EU institutions, Council of Europe, related NGOs and private sector companies. And the blue and yellow blog within ECA is a blog for students by students, sharing information on key EU in- initiatives and legislation, as well as current European hot topics and career insights. This is, I think, third or fourth time that we're here today, so I think we're going to be coming even more regularly. Um, And yeah, my name is Eliza, I'm the editor-in-chief of the blog, and I come from Poland, I study European law here in Maastricht, and I'm passionate about European affairs and journalism. Elisa, thank you very much. So my name is Mathilde and I'm joining Elisa today to discuss our topic regarding uh, blue and yellow. So my name is Mathilde, as I said, I'm from France and I actually have a background in economics and business and I'm very passionate about politics and everything that relates to economic worldwide. And today we chose to discuss a hot topic, um, which is about climate. 
As Elisa mentioned, Blue and Yellow aims at targeting hot topics. So this one is at the center of the discussions at the moment. We want to discuss the energy prices, uh, the dependence on energy in the EU, as well as how do we travel as students within the Europe. So yes, that's going to be the topic for today. on RT 107.5 FM that was DJ Acid with his, one of his latest mixes actually Acid started only in 2020 and really thanks to Moza Musica for uh, letting us share, share these tracks you can also tune in to Moza Musica on, on every Saturday between 8 and 9pm but in the studio we have right now um, Elisa and Matilda from the ECA and, yes uh, welcome yeah. back <laughs> Um, yes, so now we're actually going to dive into the topic more in detail. I hope we've interested you before by saying we're going to talk about energy future of Europe. However, this is a super complicated topic, so we're going to try to make, make that it easier. Yes, make that easier. And that's actually going to be perfect because Matilda is quite an expert on the topic. I don't know almost anything on the topic, so it's going to be an interesting discussion for sure. Um, now we're going to focus on energy now, energy these days. Why do we have inflation? What is inflation? Why are prices of energy, but also in general, so high? And is it in any way related to the EU? So let let Matilda introduce us to these aspects now. Okay, so um, as you guys may have heard online, uh, on the news, every day you hear about high prices. But what is actually inflation? Inflation is the general increase in prices. So you compare that from a year-to-year basis and then you can actually observe whether the prices increase or not. An increase in the prices is generally not good for the economy because it stimulates too much and creates problems later, which I will not go into detail. But in general, um, right now in Europe, you can observe an increase in the prices in food, in housing, gas and electricity. Um 
Looking at some stats, in gen generally right now in the EU, the inflation lays at 7.4%. And I do want to mention that the European Central Bank aims for 2%, which is way above the targets. But then you have also countries within the EU like Malta, which might manage to maintain 4.5, or Lithuania, which actually has a very high inflation rate due to its location nearby Russia, of 15.6%. And within the Netherlands, I'd say we're, it's pretty high, but we're within the average, it's 11.7%. So... Yeah. And within the Netherlands, actually, the increase is very focused on energy prices, which have raised by 43.1%, oh which is God. a lot, if you think about it. It's almost half your yeah. bill would increase. Um, and then in nearby country, you would observe that number like 9% for France or in Belgium, 33 in Germany, 11. So it's very scattered, you would say. So now you wonder why it's expensive. For the Netherlands, it's because of their reliance on one specific type of energy, which is natural gas, which I'm going to discuss in part two. But now with those high prices, one get the EU do. So mm -hmm. they can do caps on prices. So it's when you fix a maximum price that you can charge. Um, it's not necessarily the best thing to do because there's still a high demand for gas. So prices are high, which mm -hmm. makes sense. It's simple economics on that sense. Um, but Spain and Portugal, because they they have structural problems within the economy, they actually placed a cap on the market, which mm -hmm. actually drove the prices even higher and people that cannot get energy in their houses right now. So, so yeah. it didn't really work there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you would observe the Netherlands and Germany on the other side, they're against it. And they say that they're saying that the customers just have to pay high prices for a bit and until we can find a solution. <laughs> so within the EU, the decisions are pretty everybody agrees to disagree or nobody's super satisfied with it so they just focus on having enough reserves for the winter as of now so yeah i hope this clarifies a bit what's the energy situation in europe these days and yeah we can yeah uh, i wanted to ask you actually because it's actually shocking how big the increase in uh, energy prices is in the netherlands and did you also experience it yourself? So, for example, did your rate of the apartment go up or...? Yeah, of course. Uh, I feel like it's many students, even though my lease will end soon, I still <laughs> get a raise on my on my rent. Oh, Unfortunately, okay. a bit like 5%. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> but that's, that's fair enough. I mean, if the energy increases, it's included yeah. in the bill. So, I don't oh. know. What about you? Yeah, I also got an increase and of course it came all in Dutch and I was wondering what's happening and why, but then, okay. 43% yeah. increase in the price. So yeah, that's a lot. No, for me, it's, <laughs> a, it's like, I think, 20, 25 euro more per month, which is fine, but still, the, I hope it doesn't increase again next year and then next year, because, yeah. Well, we'll see. Now it's very unpredictable to even the famous economists. They cannot really advise yeah. on what's going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's hope that it's going to go in the <laughs> right direction. And <laughs> yes. I think now we can move on again to the yeah. music and then we're going to continue the discussion. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, your tech for tonight. And yeah, with us in the studio is uh, Elisa and Matilda from the ECA. So yeah, please continue. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Um, so now we're going to move on to uh, approach to energy in the EU, meaning different approaches in different member states. How do they agree or disagree? Because we heard that the inflation rates are super different and scattered across the EU, so it's also interesting to see maybe why. We're also going to discuss what is green and what is greenwashing, some green energies, and why biomass is controversial debate in the EU. So, yes, exactly. So, yeah, as we discussed in the last part, um, all countries agree to disagree on what is the right approach to follow regarding the energy crisis in EU right now. Um, the reason about it is that many countries in the EU just have different infrastructure and their own interests with regards to energy. So, for example, uh, in Germany, they have a, an approach which is very focused on, fo- on coal, um, which is a fossil energy, as you guys may know. Uh, in France, they would actually focus on the nuclear power. And in the Netherlands, as we mentioned before, it's the natural gas. So as you can see, it's very different. And additionally, more in the Nordics, you would have an approach on renewable or also natural gas that you can get from the um, from the ground directly. So... This explains a bit why they cannot reach an agreement. On top of that, you have central states and eastern states, which are highly dependent on Russia and cannot support basically the approach that the EU wants to take and cut off the energy supply from Russia. So now, just to clarify a bit, there's always those two terms that come back when you talk about sustainable sustainability in general. So you would have green and greenwashing. So what is green? What is greenwashing? Greenwashing is when you actually market something to make it show that it's eco-friendly, not necessarily mm-hmm. that it's eco-friendly per se, the yeah. product that you get, but you spend money to market it as eco-friendly. So yeah, depending on the approach, you would think it's lying to the customer, but never really. It's just very yeah, yeah, in the yeah. details, <laughs> you know. Um, whereas green, it's actually having a sustainable product, a sustainable chain, uh, based on the couple criteria that are elaborated by the countries or by the EU directly by supranational institution, etc. So now that we know that, what is a green energy? So. According to the internet, according to the EU, green energy, it's something that's generated from natural resources. So you could think of the wind, you can think of the water, the sun, the ground, etc. So some types are the hydro energy, tidal waves energy, mm-hmm. uh, also geothermal, so coming from the rocks directly, solar panels, wind shields, not wind shields, the... Windmills. Windmills. <laughs> yes. Oops. <laughs> exactly. Which we have a lot here in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also biomass, which, as we said, is controversial in Europe. And it's also controversial whether or not it's a bio uh, green energy. Sorry. So what is biomass? It's the chemical reaction. I'm not an expert, but from what I understood, yeah. it's the chemical reaction from the from the plants that come mm-hmm. out and out of this you can generate fuel so sometimes it's used it's used for car or buses trucks um, but it's controversial whether it is a green energy or not because it it has additional benefits for the environment mm-hmm. it is better in comparison to petrol it has social benefits as well because it's cheaper and it's something that would happen anyways mm-hmm. so you can just get it anyways when you crop crop your fields for example but it actually impacts the ozone layer so the scientists are working on it whether or not it's a good idea and the Mm -hmm. EU basically doesn't know whether they should actually invest in it so yeah yeah it's really interesting I just actually googled biomass and the first thing that came up is why is biomass bad so yeah <laughs> i can already see that it's not that easy to understand i'm not a 
chemist myself. So, but I'm actually really curious about the green versus greenwashing thing that you mentioned because sometimes I feel like a lot of products are marketed as green because oh I don't know they made from paper or wood or they look like nice and not plastic. But still, the whole chain of production is just basically like slave labor or children labor, and then the whole production chain is just terrible. And then the product may look nice and green. So, does this also happen a lot within the EU? Because that would be greenwashing, no? Even though the product is green, mm, but the production chain is not. Exactly. So then uh, it comes to the whole aspect of green and sustainability in general, and you have to consider all three dimensions of it. So if I remember correctly, you have the social, the environmental, and the economical dimension of sustainability. So it has to fill in all those criteria for the EU to qualify that product as sustainable and get the actual label okay. you know, that okay, you get on yeah. the back. So what you mentioned wouldn't be a green mm -hmm. supply okay. chain or a green product. Okay, exactly. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also uh, coming from Poland, I see that huge dis like distinction. I don't know, just Polish people relying, Poland relying on coal in general. And because of that, Polish people trying to disconnect themselves from the West because they are like, oh, we have so much coal, let's just use that up. And then we move to um, reusable energies or to green energies and It's it's really funny because I was even talking with like a very very far friend of mine, just like an acquaintance, and he claimed that uh, the EU is forcing uh, all these countries to like move to the green energies because the EU doesn't want the countries to be too powerful. And like he was arguing <laughs> that Poland has so much potential with the coal, which was quite funny. Um, and I think it really shows the like misunderstanding as well that's within society. Or yeah. It's it's a very hot topic topic to discuss among society actually because people yeah. just see what they have in front of their faces most of the time, but not as a general problem. And yeah. in economics, you call that the tragedy of commons. Whenever yeah. it's a common good, you know, it's just abused. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, sadly, but hopefully, <laughs> the conflict pushes the EU more to a sustainable approach yeah, because yeah, yeah. now they're faced with the fact that they have to change yeah, it. Exactly. So, yes. Yeah. I believe that summarizes the second part about the approaches to energy in the EU. Huh? All yeah. right. Yes. See you in a bit.
Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Shami Tech for today. And yeah, what you were listening to was DJ Acid, A-S-I-D. Don't forget to check him out on Moza Musica's SoundCloud account. They, they put all their um, all the DJs and, and local artists uh, up on Moza Musica. And today we are we are talking about a very, very interesting topic on the... Well, yeah, I can, I can also maybe say like a sustainable energy transition or the energy future of Europe with, um, with Elisa and Matilda from the European Careers Association. And by the way, uh, massive shout out to Yarun for tuning in, <laughs> <laughs> because like we were just talking at uh, during the break that um, the topic of sustainability also comes up a lot at work where I work at Banditos. So yeah. shout out to Banditos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, very very interesting and very uh, very smooth transitions here. Um, and now, as in the break, you mentioned yeah about about traveling. Yes, so now we're actually moving on to bringing this um, maybe a bit theoretical debate to actually our lives. So how are we traveling as students? What can we do to maybe travel more sustainably? And most importantly, why are plane tickets so cheap while train tickets are so expensive and it takes so long to go everywhere by train and not by plane? Um, So yeah, Matilda will give us a brief introduction then we will all talk about how do we get to our home countries? from Maastricht. <laughs> yeah, so first, actually, I would like to ask you, Elisa, mm-hmm. I want to start with this. Okay. How do you get home from Maastricht to Poland? Yeah, so like I said, I uh, live in the southern part of Poland and I initially checked some train connections. However, they all go through like Amsterdam and Berlin and it takes 20 hours or so to get back there. So unfortunately, I travel by plane from Eindhoven to Warsaw or Krakow and then I take either a train or my parents come pick me up with a car and drive me to my hometown. What and about you? And how long would you say it lasts? So with the train, you would say it takes 20 hours right, yes. to get to your home. And if you take the plane, take into consideration also the time to get to the airport. and stuff. Yeah, and also the waiting time in the yeah, airport. Yeah. Mm, okay, then like, let's say two hours plus four hours plus three hours. Like, I think 10. Okay, so uh, half. All, yeah, all closes up in 10 because, yeah. Yeah, okay, half the time. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, for me, so I'm, I'm from France. I live nearby Luxembourg, essentially at the border, mm-hmm. about 20 minutes away. Uh, so you would think it's not super far away from Maastricht. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's two hours and a half with the car. But if you were to actually travel by train, you need to do Maastricht to Liège and then Liège to Luxembourg, which is a very long, slow train that goes <laughs> all the way in Belgium, places I've never seen before. <laughs> and then in Luxembourg, you have to stop and then take another train to reach France. And then my parents would pick me up. So it's like actually six hours and a half and in comparison, two hours and a half for the car. So unfortunately, I drive home. Yeah. Yeah, looking at the map, Liège seems like the 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 route from Liège to Luxembourg seems easy enough. You just go straight, but yeah. I guess that's not the case no, for the train. Not with the train. Whereas <laughs> the road, exactly, it's yeah. it's straight down pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah. So now we looked into a bit on how long it takes to get back home and all that, and we actually asked a very interesting question so why are planes so cheap and why are trains so expensive so there are a couple of reasons for this uh, a couple of years ago you could see a surge of low-cost economy low-cost airlines uh, coming on the market so Ryanair EasyJet and any other actual regular airlines started to do their own low-cost airline to enter that market so lots of company in the same market drives the prices down okay so they made it cheaper to travel and they reduced a lot of things that usually come when you travel with a regular airline, no bag, smaller seats, etc., etc. Mm. No, no leg space. <laughs> no leg space, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know it if you traveled, uh, if you traveled with a low-cost airline. You have traveled with a backpack and mm-hmm, yeah, course, course. for the three days you're going. Yeah. So that's one thing. Also within the Europe, the distance in comparison to Asia and the States is smaller. So it's also less fuel consumption. So it makes it cheaper. And they always pick outside airports. So they would not land at 
the regular airport where you would have all the big international flights. They would actually be at smaller airports where it's cheaper fees to actually land and depart. Um, so that's also one thing that cuts to cost. And the last thing, which is what relates to the topic of sustainability, is that the kerosene, the fuel that you put into the plane, is actually barely taxed in within the EU. Mm. And that's one thing they actually try to change within the EU Green Deal that they just yeah. discussed, um, because you have to change the ins- you have to incentivize people to take another mode of transportation that pollutes so much if you take the plane, especially for short distance. Um, so they tried and they will try to tax the countries that pollute the most. So according to my list, Benelux, France, Germany, Spain, Italy, and the Nordics. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to tax only the domestic jet fuel. So, okay. you know, it's very specific and it wouldn't, it's it's not too much it, it's it's a small portion yeah. of the flight. If maybe, maybe it's a start, hopefully. Of course, but a small portion of it. And overall, from what I see, there are a lot of treaties, not treaties, uh, agreements, sorry, and things that they have to revert pretty much. Mm-hmm. Also, you'd have to consider that there's a lobby within yeah, the yeah, yeah. EU from the providers, from the airlines themselves, trying to influence and in their best interests. So mm-hmm. it's... Once again, all very complicated, but within the EU Green Deal, they made a promise that they will actually reduce the carbon emissions from the plane and actually tax it. So that's a start. And alongside that, the EU has been promoting a lot, a lot, a lot traveling with the train. Mm. So, Elisa, have you heard of Interrail before? Yes, I heard, but only because my friends asked me what are nice places in Poland to visit because they're doing this. I I never bought a ticket myself. Okay. So, yeah, let me just explain what actually Interrail is. So, it's a train pass that is valid within 33 countries in the Europe region, not even European Union, Europe region. So, you could travel all the way to the UK... Istanbul even, you can travel to Croatia, all the way to Italy, Spain, everywhere. You can even take the the ferry boats in Greece. So that's pretty nice. Um, and yeah, basically they've been emph- emphasizing uh, this pass a lot. And if you're under 26, you get a cheaper price. So that was pretty cool. I actually bought myself one for the okay, summer. Nice. Is yeah. it like a regular offer that you can buy? At- there was actually a flash sale because it's been 50 years that they exist. Yeah. Wow. So about a pass, I can travel unlimited for one month within the EU. Oh, so yeah. we'll see where I go. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm gonna experience the 20 hours uh, train ride probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. And yeah, so they partner with all the the, the providers that you can think of: um, Deutsche Bahn, SNCF, Thales, Eurostar, mm-hmm. National Networks. You can take any train. Um, and also within the also, the European Green Deal, under the transportation part of it, they had a challenge where they visited Europe and called it Europe Express. So they yeah. had one train and the aim was to cross as many oh countries God. as possible and find all the train routes that you could take. And they reached 33 countries, so as many as the Interrail. Mm-hmm. And uh, the aim of this is to optimize actually the transfer from country to country how to make it better how do you do the ticketing how do you do the borders if any you know so they really focus on this because rarely sustainable it's only 0.4 percent of the green emissions uh, with the plane taking of course the bigger percentage of it and then road transportation so yeah and the eu has two uh 201 uh 201k Kilometers of rail, which is a lot, it's uh, (laughs) slightly less than the USA. And you have to consider in the USA, it's mostly in the middle of the country on the the West Coast. So, yeah. So, guys, if you can (laughs) try and travel with the train, 
I do get though the cheap tickets because myself I buy them sometimes. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a chance for you to visit a city, but I always try to make it worth it and stay like yeah. at least five days. Yeah, know? I think the the interrail pass would be a great option to like explore or also go on like holidays. But when I'm traveling home, I usually just want to get there as soon as possible so I just usually just pick the quickest route of course. <laughs> and for example like if you were to have um, a tax on your plane ticket because of yeah just try and collect the tax so your environmental tax for example mm -hmm. would you actually pay it? Would you mind that it makes it more expensive? That's interesting because every time I buy Ryanair tickets there are always this box that you can tick to like, um, redu like pay off for your carbon emissions and it's usually like two or eight euro it's like not um, not much but i never ever ticked it i feel so bad so i guess i mean if it was included i of course would pay because i would need that ticket but but then yeah if it's optional i don't think a lot of people would buy mm, it yeah myself. i don't think so either I, w I don't do it because I don't know if that money actually goes yeah, to true, a cause that is green thing. or if <laughs> it's greenwashing, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. Let's all try to travel more by train <laughs> <laughs> and think about it in while enjoying the music.
you are listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Shamia Tech for tonight. And joining us in the studio is Elizad Matilda from the European Career Association and talking about a very important topic indeed. It's called the the energy transition or the future of energy in Europe. And you were listening to to DJ Asset. Many thanks to Musa Musica for letting us uh, use their the SoundCloud. And you can also find, of course, all their music on SoundCloud, so do check it out. Um, yeah, and unfortunately we are reaching towards the end of our first hour, and I think I, I will hand, hand the floor back to, uh, to Elisa and Matilda. Yes, thank you very much. So, as always, it went by so quickly, so now Matilda is just going to summarize what we've discussed about and what are our main conclusions and then I will tell you about some ECA events and Shyam will tell you about some events happening in Maastricht as usual and then we will close off the first hour. So Matilda, can you summarize the discussion for us? Yes, so in the first part we talked about the um, yeah energy these days, sorry, uh, and why it's so expensive and is it going to change or not? So for now it's we concluded basically that it's a gray area that we don't really know. Some countries are taking certain approaches with cap on the pricing, certain not. So we don't really know. Uh, and then in the second part, we talked about the different views of EU countries on energy. So what they relied on and what they considered green or not. Um, we distinguish between green and greenwashing and also discussed, yeah, what may happen with regards to the energy reliance. So will it actually switch quicker to sustainable energy or not? And then finally, we touched upon the traveling within the EU as a student and talked about the plane prices, where is it so expensive uh, to travel with the train in comparison to the plane. And yeah, so yeah, key takeaways, not for the future, for now, we cannot really move away from the reliance yeah. on Russia. So, as we said, EU is going to focus on uh, building the reserves for the winter and we'll see what happens. So, we have to trust the process. And, yes. <laughs> yeah, the green energy transition, what will be done towards that. And, yeah, if you're looking to travel within the EU in the summer, look into <laughs> Interrail for traveling because you could reach many countries yes thank you very much Matilda for your expertise on the topic I actually learned a lot myself I'm I'm a total like and it was really interesting and understandable so I hope that also our listeners understood more about this topic now Um, so some events of ECA European Careers Associations that are coming up is both a social event and a special event so if you're looking to chill or have a study break this Friday, 20th of May, at 4 p.m. in St. Peter's, we're going to have an ECA picnic. So bring your drinks, bring your food or snacks, and meet us this Friday at 4 p.m. in St. Peter's. ECA staff will pick you up, and then we're going to have some fun in the afternoon. And besides that, we are having a very exciting special event coming up, Careers in Diplomacy. That's happening next Wednesday, 25th May at 4.30 on Zoom. We're going to be visited by some high-profile guests, such as German Consul General in Zhangzhou, Mr. Jan Rudolph, the first secretary and policy officer at the China and Mongolia Unit Asia-Pacific Department for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Poland, Mrs. Agnieszka Klausa, and the spokesperson and the head of press and public diplomacy at the delegation of the European Union to the US in Washington, Mrs. Maria Belovas. So this is actually the most important, the most high-profile event of ECA of the whole year, it's open to everybody, but you need to register first. So make sure to head to ECA website and check the event Careers in Diplomacy next Wednesday, 25th of May, 4.30 p.m. on Zoom. And lastly, I want to invite you all to visit the Blue and Yellow blog of ECA, where we share a lot of insights on very different hot topics of the EU, also including the topic of energy. We have an article introducing European Green Deal, we have an article updating the European Green Deal, which was released just a couple of days ago, so it's very up to date. We also have an article on European Youth Event Green Track and inflation in the Eurozone, so make sure to check those out. And thank you, Matilda, for the very interesting conversation. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Oh, that was super, super interesting and indeed very well, uh, very well prepared. Thank you very much and a hot topic indeed, like you mentioned earlier. And before we go, I can give a quick shout out about a couple of events coming up at the Lambo of Belang. Uh, on Friday, there is the P is equal to F upon A. It's a, it's a base, basis our trade event uh, featuring Bassman, Tiptofan and DJs. Yes, those are all DJs, by the way. And on Saturday, as I mentioned earlier, 8 to 9, don't forget to tune in to RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM because in the next hour, we, we will be giving a short preview of the of the DJ uh, who will be playing this Saturday. And after that, head over to Lanbo Belang. There is Electric Guest Tour starting at 9 o'clock. And don't forget, there's also Solomon Gambia giving a live performance at the Lanbo Belang uh, at the same time. So in the meantime, have a lovely evening and stay tuned.